Hey everyone, welcome to episode 5 of the Regroup Podcast from Renovation Church. I'm your host, Zach Mittendorf, back with you this week with a new guest to the podcast and a returning guest. And no offense to everyone that's been on the podcast before, but I am very excited about today. Maybe more excited than any other episode. We've got a good topic of conversation for you. And my good friend, Pastor Kyle, has returned. Hello everybody, it's great to be back. And we are joined this week for the first time by Lyman Johnson. Hello, you guys. Oh, that was powerful, Lyman. Forgive me. Thank you. (laughs) Soft, subtle, but powerful. It was. (laughs) That's Lyman's style. So this week, it is finally over 10 degrees outside, and I am fired up about it. I'm in shorts and a t-shirt for the first time in 2021. Yeah, you came in here looking like it was just a balmy afternoon when I, I think it's still like 40 degrees. It feels like the Caribbean outside though compared to last week <laughs> when we were in single digits. So my wife would probably tell me to put a coat on if she was here, but she's not. She's not here. So she has no authority. I am my own man. <laughs> yeah, for the next hour. Until <laughs> yeah, I get home. <laughs> so we are catching up on this sermon from over a week ago today, where we talked about the Pregnancy Resource Center here in St. Joe, and uh, we were unable to get together last Monday because of snow. Imagine that. It seems like every weekend for the last two months it's been snowing, and my little Volkswagen Jetta just doesn't make it all the way to church when there's six inches of snow. So Yeah, because that's halfway up your car. (laughs) (laughs) I could barely see over the the snow. So uh, we're going to catch up on that sermon, and I'm very excited, like I said, to have Pastor Kyle and Pastor Lyman here with me. We are three guys who are going to talk about a pregnancy resource clinic and a little bit about the topic of abortion, but don't let that disqualify us. These guys that are on with me today are very knowledgeable about what, what the Word says, so I think we'll learn a lot and get a lot out of this episode. I know I will, so... Thank you guys for listening in, and thank you two for joining me today. Yeah, of course. Good to be here. So before we talk about the Pregnancy Resource Center and about abortion and and really dive dive in deep, I wanted to take advantage of Kyle's presence with us today and kind of zoom out and talk about this series as a whole. The Gospel Series is highlighting all of the church's mission partners um, across the world, not just the country, but across the world. And one thing I wanted to ask you, Kyle, is how does the church decide who we're going to partner with? Is it something where it happens organically, like you just see someone like the Pregnancy Resource Center or Priceless Grace Ministries and Mm -hmm. see what they're doing, and you're like, I want to be a part of that? Or is it a little more strategic? You're like, different areas where you want to find someone with the same mission as Renovation Church? Yeah, we actually, when we're looking for different mission partners, um, we want really a huge variety of partners because we really do, we want to reach as many people with the gospel as we possibly can. Um, And really all of this comes out of 1 Corinthians 9, which, I mean, our church was birthed as a result of 1 Corinthians 9. Because in 1 Corinthians 9, um, Paul is going off on this kind of this rant. And 1 Corinthians 9, 19, he says, For though I am free, I have made myself a slave in order to win as many as possible. And then he goes on to say, To the Jew I have become as a Jew, to one under the law I become as one under the law, to the weak I become weak. And so what he's saying is, he concludes that with, I have become all things to all people that I may win some. And so when we're looking at mission partners, 
Um, we have in our city a niche of people that we're going to be able to to reach as a church. Um, but we also know that there's a lot of other ministries and organizations that are reaching people with the gospel that might never walk into a church. Um, they might walk into a pregnancy resource clinic because of a crisis that they're experiencing, or they might go to um, a, a camp because a friend invited them. So they would never come here initially, but we want to partner with people in places where they can go in and they can hear the message of the gospel. So that's really why we're doing this whole series. Um, in fact, a couple of years ago, we did a missions month in November where we brought in a lot of our mission partners. Well, now that's really difficult to do because of the state of the world right now, but we think it's really important for people to see and hear from our mission partners that are advancing the gospel. Because I mean, I can talk about something, I can tell stories, but there's just something about seeing it with your own eyes that gives it a little more credibility. Yeah. I've really enjoyed the videos that have been put together and the interviews throughout this series. I assume that's Mason putting those together. And then are you interviewing those people or is that him? That would be, I'm putting together the questions, but really it's, it's all Mason. Mason is um, our innovative um, creator here at Renovation and just does an outstanding job. And so we go down and film everything and I'll ask the questions. And But we try to leave ourselves out of it as much as possible because we really want the focus to be specifically on that partner because we also want to produce a high quality video that they can use for their ministry. It does make a big difference. I like how you said that to see those people in their environment and uh, you just get a better idea of what they're doing and, and why they're doing it versus just talking about it on stage. Those videos are really helpful, I think. And shout out to Mason Smith. He's done an amazing job on those. So we appreciate that. It's kind of cool just to see, you know, the gospel is just not going forth in St. Joe, but it's going forth in you know, Haiti, then also God's Mountain, and also the PRC, which is incredible. Yeah, so those those have been pretty amazing. I really enjoyed the video interviewing Sarah Hardy and Jennifer Morris as uh, Mason was over at the Pregnancy Resource Clinic here in St. Joseph, Missouri. And for those that maybe missed the sermon and, or aren't aware of what PRC does, basically they just provide Christ-centered guidance and, and resources for pregnant and post-abortive women. What's obviously a very common scenario is women are walking in there considering abortion. And abortion is really a uh, a hot topic in society, in politics, for sure. Uh, there's just a lot of energy around that word in American culture and outside of America too, I'm sure, but especially here. I want to get you guys' thoughts on, on that. And I think the Bible has some pretty clear thoughts on the topic. And maybe if someone is a casual reader of the Bible or new to the faith, they may not be aware of that. So what do, what do you guys think the Bible tells us about abortion? Is there any room for debate on this? Is there any scenario where abortion is okay? Well, anything can be debated because, I mean, it's possible to make the Word of God say anything that you want it to say. That's why we talk all the time about reading the Bible in its original context. Uh, we always say that Scripture interprets Scripture. Um, so, But if you just cherry-pick verses out, I mean, 
really, you can make the Bible agree with whatever you want. And that's the danger of reading the Bible that way. What people try to do is they'll come up with what they believe, and then they'll try to find verses in the Bible to back up what they believe. And really, that's not the way God's Word is intended to be used. Um, Instead, what we do is we allow the Word of God to shape our worldview and our belief system. And so what that means is um, to say, I may not always like what the Word of God has to say, but just because I don't like it doesn't make it less true. So when you look at God's Word and what it has to say about life, it's really, I mean, it's extremely clear God's position on life. Yeah, I would echo with, like Kyle was saying, that we tried to read the Bible and just try to nitpick, oh, we want to use this topic or whatever, but the Bible is the authority is God's word and is ultimate what truth is. And I think we kind of miss what truth is in society in a whole today. Well, yeah, I mean, truth is relative. Uh, I mean, we live in a culture right now. I mean, you could say we could take, you know, uh, pick a dozen topics to talk about with that one. But I mean, what is truth now and who gets to determine truth? So I think that's where we get into it. And And a lot of people that have opinions on this, you know, we try to address a lot of times someone's sin without their need for a savior. And so I think we get it a little bit mixed up and backwards at time. Um, And so we're trying to call people out on their sin. But again, the issue is they don't know the savior. So that's the top priority is helping them to know the savior. But we do unapologetically take a stand for life. There are some things that we can afford to wait on. But when it comes to life, that's just one of those issues that it needs to be handled very directly, very up, up front, because the longer we wait, Honestly, the more lives are going to be lost to this idea of, of, of abortion. Mm-hmm. I think even if you take, which I would never recommend doing this, I think even if you take scripture out of the equation or faith out of the equation, I love some of the points you had in your sermon, Kyle, about what science says. This isn't just something that God is sure about. This is something science is sure about. And some of those statistics you mentioned at four weeks a baby's heart starts pumping blood uh, even though they're smaller than a grain of rice at eight weeks they recoil from pain and at 13 weeks they're able to yawn stretch suck their thumb at week 16 they start seeing light at week 18 they can hear sound Uh, and at week 25 they start to recognize the sound of their mother's voice so the argument that it's a clump of cells is not only wrong in a biblical sense but scientifically and that argument also about being a clump of cells, like, isn't that what you and I are, too? I mean, it really, yeah, that really doesn't change. I mean, I'm just a 35-year-old, you know, super fit clump of cells. <laughs> but uh, but, that is, but that's the argument. Uh, and so it's, it's kind of interesting studying this over the past couple of weeks. I was able to see a lot of the arguments that were used back in 1973 when Roe versus Wade um, all happened. And you're able to see the argument really transition uh, yeah. because back then it was about the science. But what happens when science doesn't back up what you believe? That Well, okay, well, let's take it to ethics or let's take it to morality. I mean, essentially it just... You can give all the evidence in the world, but that's the thing about debating so often is when your mind is made up, and especially if if it's not rooted in the Word of God, then you do get to create your own truth. Yeah. Taking a look at this, even with science, my wife just had a beautiful little girl six months ago, and just cool to see like how they find out the sex of the baby. They use the sonogram, and if the baby's not rolled the right way, they'll use the pressure of the sonogram to turn it, meaning the baby can feel the pressure and it turns. And it's just cool to see, like, okay, 
what the science backs up actually happens, the baby can feel what's going on. That's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Do you guys think the term abortion kind of desensitizes what is actually happening? Like if we consider what's in the womb to be a living, breathing being, literally a baby, wouldn't people react a lot differently if we just called it killing babies instead of abortion or women's rights or reproductive rights? Yeah, I mean, it kind of comes down to you do have to call it what it is uh, because abortion is, I mean, it is ending a life. And when you end a life, it's it's called murder. And I think it's so difficult to say that because there are so many women and we, we talk about women primarily with this, but as you guys know, you know, this is um, really, this is a male issue as much as it is a female issue or a, a male sin as much as it is a female sin. But we, we tend to try to um, make it a little bit more palatable to sound a little bit better because I think if we really understood how horrific this act really was, it would change things. So yeah, I think giving it the name abortion, it's kind of like Jesus talked about the, the whitewashed tomb, right? Yeah. And he said, you know, it looks really good on the outside, but inside it's rotting. I, I think that's what the term abortion does for the act. I think it gives it a, a little bit more of a, a, a clean, you know, exterior, but is really just concealing what it really is, which is it's murder. It's the killing of, of innocent babies. Yeah. And to be clear, like we, uh, we have empathy for anyone that's listening to this that has made a decision like this or has advised someone to make a decision like this. We aren't talking about this to shame anyone or guilt anyone. I don't think, I don't think that's what Jesus would do. I think Jesus would love you where you're at. And ultimately, he can use your story. God can use your story to prevent this from happening in the future. Yeah, you're, you're right. Jesus would talk about this. Uh, look at the conversation Jesus had with the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. At the end of that conversation, he asked her where her husband was. And, you know, she said, I'll have a husband. And he said, well, you're right in that. (laughs) And so he did call her on her sin. Because there's always Jesus, whenever he confronted, whenever he spoke, he always had grace and truth. Because both of those things are so, so necessary. And so we do have to face the truth uh, that abortion is a reality. But we do look at this with a lot of grace. I mean, what we don't do and what the Pregnancy Resource Clinic doesn't do is we don't make signs and we don't pick it and we don't yell and we don't shame and we don't condemn. Um, We want to be like Jesus and we want to give people a lot of grace. But we also have to give truth. I mean, that's what we do. We can't just avoid topics because they're hard things to talk about. The reality is, yes, people have made this decision. Um, But another reality is there are also people listening or within the church um, that have also committed adultery. And that might be in a a very physical sense, or it could be by engaging in pornography because both of those fit into that adultery category. And so the idea isn't that we just avoid talking about sin. The idea is that we talk about uh, what does the Bible say about sin? And then how do we find healing and forgiveness from that sin? And we know that's found in Jesus. Well said. I love the story, like Kyle was saying, at the woman at the well. And one of my favorite pastors, Matt Chandler, said in that moment when he's like, oh, yeah, I know that. She was 99% known. And what Jesus says, I want to know all of your sins. And when we can just give our sins, like what's happening when we commit any kind of sin, there's conviction behind it if we're a believer in Christ. And conviction draws us back to Jesus. And that's what ultimately needs to happen is when we fall into sin, because we will fall into sin. 
We just we need to draw back to Jesus. We shouldn't hide from him, but we should draw back to him. You guys, you remember that story? I, I don't remember the name of the book, but um, the woman had to wear the scarlet A on her chest. Um, I remember reading it back in high school. No, we must be too young for that book. You guys <laughs> suck. <laughs> I think that some sins just carry a more publicly negative connotation, especially within the church, to where essentially, you know, if a woman has gone through abortion, probably the reason she doesn't want to talk about it is because she feels like it would put like this scarlet A on her chest and just let everybody know her sin. And, and it's because we look at sin very horizontally. If you're looking at... Um, a cityscape, for example, you're going to see a lot of small buildings and the tall buildings are really going to stand out. And I think that, you know, as humans, we look at sins like that and we see some people that have these smaller sins and then these other really massive, you know, sins, you know, like we would probably tend to put stealing or a murderer or adultery into. But then we have to realize that God doesn't look at things the way that we do. He looks at it more of a, uh, a vertical view. And looking down, you really can't tell which buildings are taller than another. You can see the building, but you can't see necessarily how big or how small it is. And so to God, sin is sin. And whether you have had uh, an abortion or uh, committed adultery or you stole a lollipop when you were a kid from the grocery store, Every sin separates us from God. And and that's really what is at the root of this issue is this really is, it is a sin issue. I love that analogy. That makes a lot of sense. We all sin. So we all need grace and we should all be forgiving of, of sin regardless of what that is and love each other regardless of past mistakes. And that's that's where PRC comes in. I think they do a great job of that and providing resources that are, again, Christ-centered for those women. Kyle, you mentioned that this is also an issue for men as well. This is not just a women's issue. I don't want to sound insensitive. I think some men are better at keeping this a priority than others, but it feels like guys in general don't care enough about this this issue. And I wanted to ask you guys, how, how can husbands and fathers and just men in general contribute to fixing this problem of abortion being so common and our society being desensitized to it? It's an easy one. <laughs> Super easy. He's just lobbed you. It's easy money. That's what they say. Oh, okay. Both of you guys know my uh, dad abused me when I was a kid, and I didn't have a father figure growing up in the long run, but I always prayed to have a son. I, I said I wanted to break what happened through me. I don't want my son to experience it. And one day I found out my wife, London, was pregnant, and I just kept praying to have a son, and our first baby was a boy and Merrick and I remember when she gave birth to Merrick I just started weeping because I knew in that moment I was like not I had a boy I experienced the love of Jesus differently I had to fall in love with my wife but I didn't have to fall in love with my son because I already in that moment it was instant love like I'm willing to lay my life down for my son I met him a second ago type of situation and if you know Jesus and you have a child I think that takes your faith and understanding what God sending Jesus has done for you, it's different. Yeah, I, I think that dads are just really unengaged in today's society where, you know, it used to be that the, the guy, the father was always present and, and leading the home. Here's the problem. When we stray from, especially things like the family unit, the way God intended it, you know, Adam and Eve, and then they had that child. And, and so God set up that first family unit and structure all the way back in the book of Genesis, you know, chapter two. And when we stray from 
God's plan for what the family needs to look like, there's always problems that come with that. When I was a teenager, I looked at God's word as like a fence to keep me from having fun. But the older I've gotten and the more I've, I've matured, I've realized that God's word is like a fence keeping me from falling off a cliff. And so I think if all of us would try to say, okay, God has given us the way to set up a family unit um, and, and we would apply that to ourselves, I don't think we'd see as many fatherless homes um, because guys really just are absent. I mean, you look at the number of kids that have to grow up without fathers in the household. I mean, the the it's just staggering to see. So then you look at uh, this woman where a guy gets her pregnant and he doesn't want to have anything to do with this child. So now all of a sudden she's thrust in this position of, well, my life has changed because he's not carrying this baby. So he can go off and he can leave. And now she's faced with uh, almost an impossible choice while it seems like he is free from any repercussions. And that might be true on this side of eternity that he doesn't have to answer. But one day that man will have to stand before God and he will have to give an account for his actions and what he's done and really more for what he's not done. So I think that this is largely a male issue that has never been addressed or talked about. Again, it's looked at like a female sin issue and it's it's just, just not. So if anyone is listening to this that has made a decision in their past to get an abortion or maybe you've advised someone else to do so, I just I want to reiterate the fact that we aren't talking about this to shame you or guilt you. You are not too far from God. You are not incapable of being forgiven for your sins. And I would just encourage you if you're listening to this and this is a decision that you're trying to make right now, that you would take advantage of a place like PRC. They're not going to shame you. They're going to love you where you're at and and talk to you about what God has to say about this. As we kind of close out today, guys, what what would you say to someone who's listening to this that's maybe in one of those two positions? Yeah. um, Well, number one, I would just say I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you felt like you had no other options. I'm sorry that you felt like there was nobody um, who's willing to come alongside of you. I'm sorry that you felt like um, there was no one there to to comfort you when you were in in crisis. I I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine as a guy that feeling of just hopelessness that must come along with having to make a decision like that. But if you have made that decision, here's what I'll say: Satan would love nothing more than to keep you silent because he knows he knows what'll happen if you weaponize that story because that's really what it becomes is he knows the power that that story can become Um, because when you finally find that healing and forgiveness from the cross of christ all of a sudden you start telling your story and what does revelation say revelation says they overcame him the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and so our story is one of the most powerful things we have it's it's our story of what god has done in our life so if you have made this decision in the past, if you have been living in secret shame for years, I would say it's time, it's time to stand up, it's time to rise up, and it's time to use this story. Because what we know is what Satan means for evil, God can always use for good. And good can come out of this. It, it might seem really difficult to see right now, but... I promise you, I promise you, and God has used my story. And while my story might not look like your story, I I might not have made the same decisions you've made. Um, I do have a lot of regret for my past. There is a lot of things that 
I'm embarrassed of that I've done and I'm ashamed of. But and the enemy did keep me silent for years on that. But man, when I started sharing that story, I think Satan got scared because now people aren't hearing a story of how bad I was. They're hearing a story about how good God is. And he has used my story and he can use your story too. Amen, brother. I love that statement that you don't realize how when we start sharing our story, you don't realize how bad we are. What's really happening, we're just showing hey, how good our God is. And there's no sin that, that the Lord can't redeem, period. And what Satan's going to do when we fall into sin, he tries to isolate us. He wants to say, you're the only one dealing with this, how terrible you are. And the Bible calls him an accuser, so he's going to just isolate you and just beat you down. Mm-hmm. But what, again, conviction, what it brings, it brings it back to Jesus. And he, there's healing at the foot of the cross. Like Kyle was saying, I can't relate with that. I can look at my life and see, Lyman, you're a big screw up. Mm-hmm. But I can see how the Lord has worked in my life and he's still working in my life. And through my screw ups and through my biggest mistakes, I had the opportunity to share that with other people. And I got an opportunity to realize, hey, I'm not alone in this. But also, a cool thing, I get to bless people. I'm like, hey, I came out of this situation also. It's amazing how many people can relate to you because of your story. Yeah. I mean, Lyman, with your past and, and with what you've gone through with your dad, I mean, I've never experienced that. What that means is, though, that there's going to be people that I can't relate to that you can. And, and that's how God can use your story. And while I hate that you had to go through your story, and I hate that I've had to go through my story, Zach, I, I know you have parts of your past that you don't like either. It is incredible to see how God can use those to just build relationships. Because, you know, it, it, ladies, if you've gone through this and made that decision, or guys as well, and you've made this decision to have an abortion, you're going to be amazed to find out the people you come in contact with that have gone through the same thing and you get to be a part of that healing you get to help them see how jesus can forgive them as well and god's not done with you yet yeah i think people will really appreciate that encouragement you guys one last bit of encouragement i want to provide paul writes in romans chapter 6 verse 14 for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace So we just want to thank everyone for listening today as we talked about a very serious topic, but again, something that God is really clear about in Scripture, and and we hope you learned something today, and, and we're just encouraged also by the fact that we do have grace. No sin is too great for God to cover up through Jesus Christ. So I just want to thank you guys for being on today. Thank you both, Kyle and Lyman. I appreciate you being on episode five. Look forward to having you on episode six. Great. We'll see you then. See you then. 